Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Turn with me, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and that's where I'm going to begin today. I'm going to start uh, two weeks of messages on the Holy Spirit uh, if you've been here at Redeemer Church for any time, you know that the uh, topic of the Holy Spirit is near and dear to my heart. Uh, uh, as I've said to you many times before, the Holy Spirit is the most argued part of the Trinity. Uh, nobody ever has anything to say about what the shape and condition and the purpose of the Father is. Nobody ever refutes the idea of Jesus Christ being the Son of God and what his purpose is and, you know, so thankful that he came to rescue us uh, from heaven and went to the cross for us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the people who have the most trouble grasping and agreeing on what the Holy Spirit's purpose is, is the church itself. When you go outside of America, this isn't as much of an issue as it is here in the Western world because the Western mind cannot conceptualize the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is and what the purpose of the Spirit is. The idea of who the Holy Spirit is operates through the faith that we have in, in God. And it's clear, as I will demonstrate over these next couple weeks, that God's purpose for the Holy Spirit is to guide us, empower us, and direct us not only while we're here on earth, but into that position that we are going to ultimately have forever and eternity uh, with Christ himself. And so when we look at Ecclesiastes, and starting in uh, verse uh, 11, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I conclude there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And so when we look at what the Bible is saying in verse 11, it's an interesting concept. The Bible says that God has put something into the hearts of all believers, and he, the, the, the Bible calls it eternity. I call it the spiritual GPS system. Maddie, would you put the pictures up uh, for me here? Uh, the last trip to Mexico I was in, I think I mentioned this to a few of you, but this is a turtle habitat, okay? And what happens here is the loggerhead giant turtles uh, from the sea they come up on shore when it's time to lay their eggs, okay? And so when they lay their eggs, this is a group right behind in that side of that hill is a cave, and four people from this organization live there full-time during the time when eggs are being laid. And so what happens is, is the turtles come up, lay their eggs, they dig a hole about, the, it's deeper than they are with their giant arms, their fins, or whatever you call them front things on them. They're big, they're... If you've ever seen a sea turtle, they're like this big. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever saw one, we were out on a boat, uh, 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 
fiberglass boat about 12 miles offshore in this fiberglass boat with a uh, hose down into a gas can running it. It's like, what am I doing? How can I not see land in a fiberglass boat? But you would see these giant sea turtles. And what the guy would tell you is jump out of the boat and grab a hold of one of them. And when you grab a hold of one of them, they will swim like crazy. But he said, if they turn their nose down, let go, because they'll go down about 120 feet and you'll never make it back up to the top. So I thought that was an absolutely terrible idea. <laughs> and my buddy said, are you going to do that? I said, no, not in 100 years am I jumping in the middle of the ocean, grabbing a hold of a sea turtle that's going to take me 120 feet below the surface. That does not sound like... I'm very adventurous, but that didn't even sound fun to me. So these giant turtles come in and lay their eggs. And because, you know, there was a lot of issues about these turtles becoming extinct, these organizations then take their eggs uh, and they move them into this enclosure so that no animals or anyone can, can get to them. So on this day, we're in, um, where are we? I go to so many places, I can't. We're in Puerto Escondido. And my buddy's house is at the top of that hill, and we come down at 6 o'clock and just take a, a walk on the beach and pray. And uh, so uh, we came across there, and the guy came out because we were standing there looking. And so he said, let me show you something, to show you the next picture. And so I, uh, Maddie, when I gave her that picture today, she goes, is this a litter box? <laughs> she said, are, are those, you know, things in a litter box? And I said, no, these, <laughs> these turtles were just hatched that in, in the middle of the night, in the morning. So what they have to do is within, the within 24 hours of them being born, they have to take them to one meter from the ocean and release them. And then they find their way into uh, the ocean. Now, here's what's amazing. In their front flippers is a magnetic residency uh, that when they're doing their move into the ocean, they are lining up latitude and longitude. Uh, they are uh, feeling the magnetic pull of the earth. And when they go out to, to get into the ocean, that imprint is, is in those flippers for their life. And five, six years from now, when they uh, are ready to hatch eggs on their own, they might be 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 kilometers in the ocean away from that beach, but they go back to that exact beach and lay their eggs, even though they're thousands of kilometers away. Because inside of that indelible imprint of their front flippers is exactly where they were born. And God put that in there. And they're born there. Their children's children are born there. Their children's children's children come back to that exact location on that beach in Puerto Escondido. Now, that is a mind-boggling fact. And it's just incredible to think of that idea that uh, that magnetic residency is inside of those uh, flippers and they can be so far away, but yet they can find their way back to the beach. When we look at John 12, 32, Jesus made this statement. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men unto myself. He said in Ecclesiastes, God said that I put eternity into the hearts of all men. 
So just like those magnetic resonancy, or resonance things are in those, God's spirit is inside of us. All of us are born with his spirit. We're spirit, soul, and body at all times. But when we become a Christian, there's something that activates inside of us. It's that spirit of God that comes inside of us. And there's all kinds of amazing things that occur when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so if we look at uh, John chapter 15, verse 26, just turn there uh, with me if you would, because I want you to mark these things in, in the Bible. It says, but I will send you the advocate the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father, and he will testify about me. So when we see this statement, then we're getting to see that Jesus is teaching his disciples that I'm going to go away. I'm going to go and be seated at the right hand of the Father. And in that uh, text of Scripture in John chapter 14, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In other words, there's three parts of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and Jesus is talking about God the Holy Spirit here. And so Jesus says that uh, uh, when I go away, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father and he will testify about me. He's talking about that thing that is going to rest into our hearts that's ultimately got the magnetic pull to keep us in line with God the Father. It's an amazing thing. Let's look at uh, John 16, verses 5 through 7. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Verse 6 says this. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Now, I mean, these guys are with Jesus. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They've watched all the miracles he's done. They, they're thinking about this position in the kingdom. They've never been safer than the time that they have been with him, although they're doing the most uh, uh, um, uh, just dangerous stuff at that time of stepping out with the one who's going to be crucified. And then verse 8 says, it says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. When the Holy Spirit comes, that he's got a, a, a purpose, he's got a destiny, he's got uh, what he's, uh, he's going to do, uh, and, and they're not focusing on what's going to be given to them. In fact, it's the best for you in verse 7 of that, if I go away. Because if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so Jesus is saying that in order for this part of the Trinity to come and inhabit the earth, that he's got to go away to fulfill. If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto myself. But And then I'm going to implement another form of the Godhead, and he's going to be the ultimate tracking system that keeps you focused and in tune, keep you directed to this connection that you have with God the Father. Now, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation here today. And you cannot read a book of the New Testament and not find the Holy Spirit in there. 
Every, every single book of the, the New Testament is full of different things about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're going to look a little bit uh, about what the Apostle Paul has to say, 2 Corinthians 1, okay, and starting in verse 21. So we're believers, we've asked Jesus into our hearts, and now the Apostle Paul says, it is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. And listen, he has identified us as his own. How did he do that? He's made us his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. That Holy Spirit coming inside of us activates all of the promises that God has made to us. Now I call upon God as my witness that I'm telling you the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. And he goes on to talk about those types of things. But it is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm in Christ. How? Because we are identified as his own, because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 right now. Ephesians 1, as we continue just to, to build on, on the particulars of this message. And so when we look at, at Ephesians here, the, chapter 1 is an incredible, incredible uh, uh, text of Scripture. Uh, don't flip to here, Maddie, but in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in spiritual realms because we are united with Christ. All of these things that the promises of God were united in Christ, were covered by God, where we have an advocate, somebody who stands right next to us. We have a guide. That's what the Holy Spirit is also. We have somebody that's a spirit of truth. We have somebody that uh, enables us to even know things into the future of our lives because God has created such an amazing pathway for us that he had to put a plan together to keep us focused on how to get there. And not only did he put eternity in all of our hearts, but he set a tracking system inside of us that if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw what? That which is inside of you. That tracking system will be activated. And then when, when I'm going to be with the Father, I won't leave you as orphans, the Bible says, but I will leave you the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the active force of the Trinity of God that is currently operating in the earth today. And isn't it any wonder why everybody would make the, the Holy Spirit the most argued about part of the Trinity because the enemy knows that if you don't uh, operate in the fullness of the Spirit, then the power that you have to do the work that God has given you is only going to be what you have in your own flesh. And the enemy's fully aware that your flesh is not enough to do what the ultimate plan that God has for you to do in the kingdom. You will not be equipped enough by just who you are in the flesh. We are equipped by what God has put inside of us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, 
I'll start in 12. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, how many of you believed in Christ? Amen. I'm with you. He has what? This is the second time he says this. He has identified you. Okay? He has identified you. You're on his radar. He knows that when you've said yes to him, he said yes to you, and he's identified you. He's, he, he's pulled you out of the crowd, and, and he's marked you for himself, for his purpose, for eternal things. Now, you would say, well, Pastor, what about those turtles, man? Who marked them? Well, God marked them, too, and he put that in there because that just doesn't happen by happenstance. Only God could do something so amazing. And what the turtles come back every year, so do the lost. The lost are coming back every year to God. People are being confronted with the gospel message all the time. Some say this and some say this. And this will happen until Jesus returns. And he knew that when he went to the cross. He knew that there would still be people that wouldn't be fully convinced about who he was and what they could have by saying yes to him. And he still went to the cross anyway and kept preparing the future for us. Isn't it interesting, Pastor Caleb talked about what he talked about on the close because he's absolutely right. And that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to steer your focus away from what God can actually do and create counterfeit scenarios for you that if you will embrace the counterfeit, there's a thousand and one things that you can do right now, like to combat uh, the gas prices or the food prices. Or, But listen, the number one thing that you need to do, the same God that was the God 18 months ago and provided food and gas and everything for you is the same God that is sitting on the throne today. And he's not freaking out. He's prepared to provide for you. How do you know that? Well, you know when God's spirit rests inside of you and by faith you've seen it operate and you've walked in the midst and the fullness of that spirit, then no weapon formed against you can prosper. And all those things that rise up against you, they will fail. That's what the Bible says. Why? Because you're a child of the Most High God. How do we know that? Because the Bible says he has identified you. You are marked for God's purpose. You are set apart. You're God's children. And you have to understand that the way that you're marked and set apart is by, he says, he's identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee. In other words, that word guarantee there, Maddie, put the other picture up for me. That word guarantee there is a, a seal. It's a seal. And when God seals you, then there's, it's, it's clear whose you are. Now, what do I mean by that? This is one of our Bible school degrees, Nation to Nation Christian University in partnership with Harvest Preparation International Ministries. Now, if you get this degree and this gold seal is not on there, it's a counterfeit. 
This, this degree is, is, is signified and it's a full-fledged degree because of that seal. It's got the imprint of Nation to Nation Christian University on there. And you are a graduate of that university if and only if that seal is on that degree. Otherwise, it's a counterfeit. You can have the whole degree but not have the seal and the degree is worthless. And so the guarantee that we have is it, the, the spirit is God's guarantee in another uh, version. It's his seal that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So. We, the Holy Spirit is what, after we say yes to God, the Holy Spirit is what envelops us, walks with us, protects us, leads us, and guides us into the place that God's going to ultimately bring us to be. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. I want to build this platform for us so that when you're sharing this with your friends at the office and they give you the five reasons their church is anti-Holy Spirit, that you'll be able to say, no, 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 you're missing the boat. Let me, roll, let me roll this out. Let me roll this script out for you, okay? Because you're being taught a counterfeit gospel. And the, the gospel of, the, uh, of that the Holy Spirit is alive in us is the gospel of the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. Amen. Anybody 60 and over? Hallelujah. For those of you who are young, do your due while you are young because your due gets shortened down the older you get. Hallelujah. I used to be good for 18 hours a day, and I'm good for about 14 now. So, you know, it's shrinking a little bit. God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So people ask me, Pastor, when we go to heaven, are we just going to be a spirit? Like, you know, they vision Casper the friendly ghost just floating around everywhere. No, we're not. We are going to be a spirit with a body, but I'm not going to go into the perfect body and what God says we're going to ultimately have when we're in heaven, but we'll have a perfect body and it will have a spirit. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared this for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So what the Bible has promised us is a guarantee. His seal is on it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and it will drive and motivate us 
for our lifetime if we will allow it, and it will never uh, throw our course off. We'll always be true north to God because that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. So let's look at Luke 22, just, just real briefly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you guys have heard this from me many times in the past. So what would make somebody want to go to the cross and have happened to them what, what, what happened to Jesus? There must be something so otherworldly that was going to take place for Jesus to go and be nailed to a cross and to be beaten and scourged and, and embarrassed and all of those things that were going to happen to him on the cross. But he knew the price that he was going to pay was going to be worth it for you and I because he had to do that. Why? Because if it didn't happen, the Holy Spirit would not be here for us. Why was that a deal for Jesus? Because as we know, what did Jesus do in the line of miracles before his baptism and the Holy Spirit coming upon him? Nothing. What did God do when the earth was created, when there was nothing there? What did he do on his own before he created anything? Nothing. It says the earth was null and void until the Spirit of God began to hover over it. And then in verse 3, Genesis 1, it says, and then God said, Boom, boom. Verse 4, God said, boom. Verse 5, God said, because the creative power of the Holy Spirit, when God was speaking for these things to be done, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the earth and made it happen. When Jesus got baptized uh, and he kept, you know, John the Baptist was saying, no, I need to be baptized by you. And I always wondered this. After Jesus got baptized, did, did John say, okay, now that we've done that, can you just courtesy drop me? Because, I mean, I want to be able to say I was baptized by Jesus, just like people get baptized in the Jordan River, you know. And so uh, uh, that's gospel by Dwight. I don't think that actually happened. But I, if I was John, I would have asked Jesus, please baptize me again, okay? But, but so Jesus was baptized, came out of the water, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, light upon him, and then uh, somebody got healed, and then demons were cast out, and then uh, blind eyes were opened, and then deaf ears, and then leopards were cleansed. And so Jesus knew when it came to this time of the kingdom of God being able to go to the next dimension under the people of God that he was going to give the keys to the car to, that he was going to have to empower them in the same way God the Father created the earth, in the same way the Holy Spirit came upon him for us to do what we're called to do in his kingdom. We too have to have that same power within us. Boom! The power of God resting upon you. And so now the festival, verse 7, of the unleavened bread arrived in Luke 22. When the Passover lamb was sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal, verse 9. Where do you want us to prepare it? He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you, follow him. This is all just supernatural stuff. Do you see how he's, you know, they don't know this man. They don't know where he'll ultimately be. They don't know. He didn't get a, he's 5'8", he has an olive tone, he's got black hair, a little gray on the side. That guy will come up to you. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to do that. When that guy comes up to you, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's the one Jesus spoke of and the connections will just happen. 
That's how it works. Why? Because that's how the Holy Spirit operates. Verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said this, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What is the meaning of that? What is the meaning of Jesus going to the cross? Yes, it's his heart that none should perish, but that all should come to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ and when you do it's also his desire that the Holy Spirit would come upon you and that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will now operate inside of you for the purpose of the work that you have in God's kingdom now you say go oh, pastor this is so out there I mean, yeah, I, I see that happening to Jesus. Yeah, I saw that happening to the, uh, the, the guys running in the New Testament. But how in the world can that just happen to you or I? Well, it's exactly who he intended this to be for, was you and I. And what we see is just an example of what we can have. Luke 24, verses 48 and 49 says this. That when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it will be like a jacket. You will be endued. It will wrap around you. The, the, the power from on high will come upon you, and, and it will always reign inside of you. Oh, pastor, that sounds so out there. I mean, that's just crazy. No, it's not. It's, it's simple, and when we understand it, we'll see how practical it is. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19 right now. Acts chapter 19. Did you ever watch ESPN when they play the game in 60 minutes? Uh, that like, I know you guys. Okay, guys are shaking their head. Wives are like, why in the world would you watch a game again for the second time? My wife will tell me it's in the middle of April and I'm watching a high State game from two years ago. She'll say, what in the world would possess you to want? Because they, they got it in 60 minutes, honey. They, they've taken out all the fluff. And it says this, due to time constraints, we're going to move forward to the fourth quarter. And so in this message today, I'm telling you, due to time constraints, that I'm going from point one to point three. So bear with me as I find my way through, through the time restraints. But look at Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions. And when he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers... Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, he asked. What an interesting question. It wasn't, when did you receive Jesus? Did you receive the baptism of John? But he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why did he skip the, did you find Jesus? And why did he skip the baptism part? Well, because he was finding everywhere that there were groups of people who had snippets of the truth and every place he went, he found that the thing that was lacking was, is they understood the part, portion of salvation, they understood the baptism of John, but they didn't understand the baptism of Jesus. And so he asked them that, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So how did they get to this place? 
Well, this is really relatively new stuff, guys, uh, when you think about it. Jesus had just been crucified, resurrected, and this, this hasn't been a long-term event. In verse 3, he says, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Now, how many of you realize that the baptism of John is important? How many of you realize for two weeks, the last two weeks, we've had the baptism in water, the baptism of John? And that's extremely important. Read Romans chapter 6. It will teach you all about the power of the baptism. Why do you do baptism in water the way we do it? Why don't you sprinkle water on the head? Why is that not suffice? Because the word baptismo means completely submerged. And if you read Romans chapter 6, there's a reason for that. When you baptize in water, you put people completely under. That is symbolic of Christ's death and when he was in the tomb. And, and when you're underwater, life is, is, is up there somewhere, but you're down here. And then when you bring people out of the water, that's symbolic of his resurrection and the power of God that is going to operate through your life after you've made that critical declaration that I am a believer and I identify with Jesus because I identify with water baptism. Why do we identify with water baptism? The bottom line is, is because if Jesus did it, I'll do it too, right? Isn't that the case? I mean, if Jesus got baptized, why would I refuse baptism as well? Now, water baptism is an extremely powerful thing. What I understand in the Muslim world is you can say you converted to Christ and they won't kick you out. But when you go and you're water baptized, that's when you're excommunicated. Because water baptism is that thing that identifies you with God. So they uh, replied the baptism of John. And Paul said John's baptism called uh, for repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Why do I make this point? Because there are two distinct baptisms. And we have to understand that. There's one baptism in water that is conducted uh, as the, the head of households did it last time. Fathers baptized their children. That was impacting. That was powerful. But there's one baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that only comes through Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one that paid the price to be able to do something so incredible. And so that's what happened. And so in verse 5, it says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were rewater baptized. Then Paul laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. And there were about 12 men in all. Let's talk about the practicality of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have a direct connection to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to teach on the gifts of the Spirit. So for those watch watchers who know me and how I preach, you know if I start in on this, you're thinking another 30 minutes and your stomach starts to growl and blah, blah, blah. Dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives... Okay, now keep trying to wrap your head around this whole picture. The, the special abilities the Spirit gives. 
when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you not only are identified as, as God's own, but there's special perks that come along with that. I don't want you to, to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is at Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what kind of things does the Spirit give? Different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each so we can help each other. To one person, uh, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives uh, great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and he decides which gift each person should have. Now, it's an amazing thing that when we go out to do God's work, it's as if we take an invisible toolbox with us. And every place that we are, everything that we have the opportunity to do, God is enabling us to, through his Holy Spirit to be able to hear and identify what needs to happen. I played the video for you guys uh, a couple weeks ago when I had the prophetic word for the guy in Uganda. And I spoke the word to him that there's a lack of confidence and things in his life have led up to this place. And this was God just dropping that into my spirit in the middle of my teaching. I prophesied over him and you see his testimony was that word was exactly what happened in his life. Why did God speak that to him? Because when you get a message like that from somebody who's 9,000 miles away from you and has never known you in your entire life, it builds a platform of faith in you that now this man, as he said, I'm going to be able to go and to do and to minister powerfully for the things of God. So God took that gift that, that he gave me. He deposited that gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge, and then I deposited that gift into this man's life. And then what am I with right now? Do I still possess that gift? No, I gave it away. A gift is something you give away. A spiritual gift is something you receive and then something that you give away, okay? So what does that mean? That now I no longer have the ability to prophesy? No, but the next person I encounter might be a blind person. And so when I get to in, in the, in the uh, presence of a blind person, if the Holy Spirit says, lay hands on them uh, because I want to heal them, then, the, then I need to say, that's great. Got my keys because I've already lost my phone today, so I don't want to lose my keys. 
So this guy now needs healing. So the, the Lord drops a gift of healing. I begin to pray for him. I deposit that gift of healing. And now his eyes are open. We've seen this uh, in, in Burundi. Pastor Chuck prayed over a blind man and he received his sight. Now, uh, I, I'm not holding that gift of healing right now because why? I don't need it. It's a gift. When I needed that, he presented the gift to me and then I distributed that gift. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. He operates with all of those nine gifts that, that we have to do ministry, and he gives them to us at the appropriate time. And listen, the supernatural is practical. When you begin to understand and hear the voice of God, then you begin to see that those, uh, those gifts are just practical, okay? Let me share another practical thing for you that the Holy Spirit does. Last uh, Thursday night, uh, Naya was over at the house and she said, Papal, you have dominoes, right? I said, yeah, Papal's got dominoes. And so she said, well, I need them for a school project. So like what always happens is, is we, is that the day we had eight of the nine grandkids over at the house? I don't know, but we had a bunch of kids over and the Dunbars left, and we didn't look for the dominoes. Not This happens all the time. But one of the things that I love is my grandson, Lucas, he always forgets something so that he has an easy route back to Papal's house. And so, but this time we just forgot to, to look for the dominoes. Seven o'clock in the morning, I'm out just reading my Bible. I hear, I see Naya's face pressed against the screen. I look out, Brian has taken her over. Papa, I forgot to get the dominoes. I said, oh, that's right. They're somewhere downstairs. Well, we tore the downstairs apart. I mean, if uh, I almost turned around and took a picture of it. And I, I was going to caption the picture. This is what happens when you work on your own. All the couch cushions are off. And I didn't put them back on because there were enough Doritos to fill a bag, potato <laughs> chips and peanuts to sink a battleship. And I'm not kidding you, there are enough Cheerios in that couch that you could have a bowl if you bring milk. And I thought, this is so gross that I'm not, I'm going to clean this all up. But it's a train wreck down there. Games are spread, blankets, dance outfits that the girls play in, all of the toys that are down there, they're everywhere. And, and, and it looked like a tornado hit it. So I couldn't find them. Couldn't find the dominoes anywhere. So in our typical fashion, we had 43 things we had to do before noon. We drove, dropped off a car to get fixed from the hail damage and whatever. And then Tammy had to run because we bought a bike rack. And, and that's a whole story of a God blessing. So and then I had an 11 o'clock hair appointment to, to get these beautiful hairs, all 12 of them, all 12 of these hairs cut. And so so... I realized I didn't take the trash out. And so, but I didn't realize that on my own because I was headed to get my hair cut. And God said, take a left and just go take your trash out. So I'm pulling the trash can down 290 feet. I'm just getting down the driveway because now it's 10 to 11. I got to get to my hair appointment. And uh, so I get that down there. As I'm walking back up, the Holy Spirit says to me, the dominoes are in your office. And I'm like, what? That, because that, but I know his voice now. I've heard it enough that I know. And I'm like, 
God, I don't have time for this. He said, but Naya needs those by 12.30. And the dominoes are in your office. Go get the dominoes. And I thought, okay. So I went into my office that is not very neat either right now. And, and my eyes took a right and out of nowhere, obscurely tucked into this little bookshelf I have are the dominoes. And I thought to myself, Lord, only you could have told me where those dominoes were. And if I'd have probably at 7 o'clock stopped and asked him, he would have told me. But I think he loves to see us run around in our little bit of mayhem. And then he just says, they're in your office. This is the practicality of the Holy Spirit. He, he knows what I was looking for. He knows I couldn't find them on my own. He knew that that was important to Naya and that we had the dominoes. And so what did he do out of the kindness of his heart? He directed me to exactly where they were. So you say, wow, this is a little different than the, uh, uh, the Acts thing here. This is the reality of the practicality of the Holy Spirit. After church is over today, we're going to set chairs over here, we're going to set chairs over here, and we're going to get practical. We, we have people who have trained in the prophetic, and we have people signed up. If you didn't sign up, you cannot sign up now, so don't get excited because you're hearing this message. You should have signed up in advance. We got a full load of people who want to do that, but we're going to practically listen to the voice of God and share with the people what God is showing us about them so that they can do the things that they need to do. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and I'll try to close here. Moving ahead, due to time constraints, I'm going from point three to five. But I hate to do that, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I hate shorting anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit. Because everybody, the church is trying to time out the Holy Spirit, and you cannot time out the Holy Spirit. If you hear me say anything today, it's that I hope you'll dig for yourself and find these truths and realities and operate in them, okay? This is what we need to operate in. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 says, but. Everybody say, but with me. Because we all know after a but, there comes something very good. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. How many times have you read your word? Two years ago, you read the eighth chapter of Matthew and then you read it again today, and the 8th chapter of Matthew had no relevant significance of what you read two years ago because God needed you to see what it means for today. 
The Holy Spirit searches out all of these things. He knows the heart of God. And when the Spirit of God dwells in us, then we are connected to the access of those spiritual things that in you, when you don't know Jesus, no eye has seen. When you don't have him as your Savior, no ear will be able to hear the things that God has prepared for those who love him. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. Why do we need to be connected to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit connects us directly to the throne room. I'm not going to read this scripture today. I'll start with it next week. But not only is Jesus sitting at the right hand interceding for us, but the Holy Spirit actively lives with us daily and intercedes for us as well. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray that in this week and next week, the message that I preach, I pray, God, that there would be an opening in the spirit of man and, and that would just embrace the idea of how incredible the third part of the Trinity is, the Holy Spirit. We uh, could understand that if Jesus paid such a great price for us to have it, then why would we refuse it? Father, we thank you and we praise you for all of the water baptisms that happened over the last two weeks. But Father, I am setting the course for next Sunday. That next Sunday, we're going to receive the baptisms of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus himself said that we should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share such practical things about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives and how practical the supernatural is. And so, Father, I pray that each of us would prepare our hearts for the coming time when the Holy Spirit rests upon us individually. Father, for those of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you tell us to be continually filled with the Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that there will be a fresh infilling next week for all of us, Father, who have uh, asked for, for that to happen already. And I pray, God, for a brand new thing to happen in those who are just getting an understanding the fullness of the Holy Spirit for their life, that they too will receive a fresh baptism with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for making the supernatural so practical in our lives. Father, today we pray that right where Royal is right now, that you would provide him with the exact care that he needs, that your Holy Spirit would provide the comfort that he needs, and that you would be his advocate standing right next to him in that situation that he is in. Bless him, keep him, and watch over him, Father, as we thank you for our friend and our brother in Christ. And so, Father, today we just give you praise, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen?
Amen. God bless you. If you are here for prophetic ministry, you can just come to the front after you're done talking. Uh, and for those of you who are going to be on the team, see Miss Betty and she will assign you where you're going to be. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.